Journey Podcast. Thanks for listening, and a happy Willie O'Ree night. Uh, for those of you watching at a later date, right now the Bruins, as we speak, are retiring Willie O'Ree's number 22 in honor of the first, uh, I can't say African-American, African-Canadian man to play in the NHL, but that's a topic for another time. So uh, stadiumjourney.com is our website. We are the world leader in sports travel information with reviews of over 2,500 stadiums around the world and counting. I added a couple more this week. That's why I'm counting. We are more than just an awesome website, though. You can connect with us on all of our social media channels at Stadium Journey. Find our audio versions of the Stadium Journey podcast simply by picking up your phone and searching HIAC Talk Radio Network wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Video simulcasts can be still found on our YouTube page and our classic back catalog. We've been doing this for five years, folks. we got lots of old episodes out there. You can find those at vocnation.com. And we record live for those of you who would like to listen and be part of our studio audience, like our friend Gregory Koch. Uh, we record live every other Tuesday night at 7 Eastern at danlaw.tv. And the gang is all here tonight. Dave Cotney's here. Follow him at ProFan9. Mark Viquez is here. He is at Ballpark Hunter. The other guy, Dan Calachico, is here. Follow him at danlaw83. And I'm Paul Baker. You can follow me online at PuckmanRI. And we are very happy to be joined tonight by our buddy Sam Fryman. Sam is one of ESPN Plus's play-by-play announcers for the Premier Hockey Federation. And uh, perhaps more importantly for Dan, he's a Philadelphia native. Sam, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Glad to be uh, on the panel of a lot of Philadelphia natives, it seems, or at least close enough in Jersey. And then there's... <laughs> yeah, there's Dave. I'm nowhere yeah. near Philly either, so I can't. I'm I don't claim Philly. Willie O'Reeland. <laughs> Representative for the night. So, oh, uh, good. I'll have the hat when you're done with it then, Mike. Okay. It, it might be too small for your big head. These are the insults you'll hear. Well, All right. When, when you're in our studio audience. I, I do but like your shirt, though. the show tonight. So, uh, Sam, you are one of the crew... Who uh, does the announcing for the uh, Premier Hockey Federation? On the that is Plus, correct. Right? Yes, uh, I got my next game going uh, going on this weekend. I won't be on ESPN Plus this weekend. It'll be Twitch for uh, the Canadian and international audience. But it'll be my first game uh, broadcasting for the team I love so much that I've been with the past four years, the Boston Pride. Finally get to do uh, one of their games because my debut was Connecticut versus Buffalo, which was a highly entertaining weekend. But... Uh, It'll be nice to get back to the team I know and love. So uh, I guess more importantly, we are we are recording this on January the 18th. Some big news came out of the PHF this morning, right? Massive news in terms of investment. They got together with Commissioner Ty Tamini and the Board of Governors today. They've agreed to invest over $25 million in direct payment and benefits to the players over the next three years, which is millions of dollars and salary and benefits going into next season. Players are going to have uh, a lot more control in terms of how they get paid, what kind of benefits they have, more control over uh, images and likeness, and also two big keys that were announced, an expanded regular season up to 28 games from 20, and two new teams that are going to be joining the Premier Hockey Federation next season, one of them already confirmed. Montreal, Quebec, Canada, and the other to be determined, but it's more than likely going to be a U.S. market, and there have been a lot of cities throughout the Midwest, throughout the East Coast. I know Philadelphia has been in some talks, 
So we will see what happens. Please. Are you saying it's Indianapolis? <laughs> please, please. Philly. I would love to see a Midwestern team. Personally. Why not? I no, mean, Chicago, Minneapolis, Milwaukee. No. I mean, listen, guys, I'm about me and I would like a distraction from the Flyers. So please, as always. Oh, please, as would I. Please, a Philly team, please. please. Philly supports the reason, their team, uh, so that wouldn't be a bad uh, choice. Yeah, I'll give you I guys think that. Philly has all the factors there. I think they have uh, business owners or entrepreneurs who would certainly put up the cash to fund the team. I think they have arenas around the area, whether it's the Flyers practice facility, 1923 rink in West Philadelphia, where the team could play, and definitely a city of sports fanatics that would support them. Go ahead, Jan. I know you want to say it. The Cherry Hill Arena, right? Uh, no, that doesn't exist anymore. It's been gone since 84. No, no. Um, I, I never even thought of 23, <laughs> 1923 arena, and I just got – I went like that because I just got excited because I'm like – Oh my God, that would look so cool. <laughs> that would look so cool. Sam, I just want to say, um, I've heard you call a few games and I've always wondered, is he from the same area I am because of the accent? And yes, I, I don't del- think it comes out during my broadcasting though. So I guess it must a little bit. A little when I little when bit. I yell, when I yell, the Philly when, comes out a little more. <laughs> when you have moved to where I moved to, um, and you hear it more, because I've lost a little bit of it. When I go home and I come back, back it's, I do. It's it's all. Yes. Hey, yo! I want some water. The first time I said water ice, the vowels all get butchered again. Yeah, they're all butchered. The the syllables are gone. But there's a couple times I'm like, now he couldn't be, and it's hilarious that you are. So I'm delighted that you, it's you and that you're on the show. I just wanted to throw that. Well, out thank there. you, Dave. Jump in while you can. Okay. I now. Just, it's a good thing you guys aren't from Maine, man. You'd be like ready to go and take each other to see a dead body somewhere. <laughs> uh, okay, so I might be a stand by me. Great movie. I got it. I got it. Cross the <laughs> I, train. Paul is looking a little confused. There. No, I got it. I, I was. I was. So, uh, hey, I'm the, from Maine. I never once went to talk to my friends to see a dead body. <laughs> That'd be a good weekend trip, though, when you're at that certain age. Okay, go ahead. Dead okay, moves, coming, yes. dead body, coming no. back to the topic at hand, uh, maybe I'm a little bit, maybe I'm a little bit behind, uh, but a sort of two part question um, Is the big rift between like the two leagues, well, Former league, well, one current league, one former league. Is that still there? Well, well the and, answer to that question but is... This, would this influx of money sort of, you know, kill that, uh, kill that uh, uh, other group or whatever? What do you think? Well, here's sort of the two-part answer to that question about the rift. First of all, just that word, rift. I really think it's like... For those of us who are sort of in the industry and seeing what the players are striving for, on both sides of the equation, it really isn't this massive rift that people are making out to be. These players are fighting for the exact same thing. They're just going about it in different ways. And because that's out there, and when you just look on a sheet of paper and say, okay, this is clearly national team members and players who are currently in the Premier Hockey Federation, it's easy to put two and two together and create that as this is the narrative. These players want to do it this way, and they think their way is the only way to go about doing it. But with this announcement today, 
I do think it's very much sort of a checkmate move in a sense from the premier hockey federation. You know, now that the money is being put up, the TV deal with ESPN plus is in there for multiple years now. And if you're talking about a confirmed expanded regular season and two additional teams, and by the way, you're doing this literal weeks before the Olympic games are set to start where the United States and women's hockey will be defending their gold medal. Then it really also begs the question of, hey, PWHPA, after those Olympics, what are you going to do? Because you have a lot of players on that roster who are getting up there with age now. They want to start families. They're maybe starting to think about retirement. And if they go into another possibly full year or at least full hockey season of only doing these sponsored barnstorming events, maybe a one-off appearance at an all-star game, just kind of playing with each other. How long can you keep doing that when it's not an actual league, you're still not getting paid as you want, Mm -hmm. and the NHL and other big money donors continue to both publicly and privately say, look, we're not interested in competing. We're not interested in putting another league out of business. So if you're at pretty much year three of that, how long before the players either kind of retire and go about their retired lives or just say, screw this, we're not getting it done the way we want maybe let's try to either go over or work with these players who are here in a professional league to get what everybody wants and desires as the end product. Because the PHF continues to make strides towards it, while the PWHPA, I feel like, is crawling at a little bit more of a slower pace. They just have the brand recognition and the name recognition, so it's not something that I think has fully been killed. They just keep trucking along because they believe they can still get that investment. Well, I think the only model, well, I, there's, I mean, there's two models that, 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 uh, sorry, what was PW? PWHPA, Professional Women's Hockey Players yeah. Association. There's only, I think there's only really two models that, that we've seen success with that. Um, and not, not the premier lacrosse league, because I don't think it's, I don't think, They've been a, there's enough staying power to say that they're working yet. Um, one is curling up here, where kind of the professionals have sort of done this little barnstorming thing, and it's, I mean, cr- the curling season is really in Canada anyway. It's it's like the nationals, right? The the Scott Turner of Hearts for the women, the Briar for the men, and the Olympics. Or national. So that's that, sort of their regular season, yeah, quote unquote, is all these big tournaments. That's it. So then they, the ones who want to make more on it, they kind of do these little, oh, well, team so-and-so is going to go against team so-and-so, as, as opposed to the Briar or whatever, where they represent a province. And the other one has been wildly successful, but it's a whole different thing. And that's, of course, the Harlem Globetrotters, right? They work, but they're not a sporting event. Right. They're a, a show. And, and outside of the show, they do a ton in terms of like community promotion, yeah. events, public service, all that pretty much every other day of the year when they're not putting on the actual arena shows. They'll be in whatever community they're in and spend maybe two or three days just doing any and all community events they can get their hands on to promote the big show. But I, I think it's interesting that you bring up the age factor because, you know, we used to have. You know, old timers hockey. I don't know for those of the, for those of who are old enough to remember old timers hockey, and it 
I mean, they had a Sunday afternoon after the football season. You could watch old timers hockey, but it 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 died a painful death, right? Like it was. It's like watching. Uh, it was like watching slow motion hockey at in real time. So well, you even you have uh, up in Canada also the story of the WHA and how they eventually got absorbed into the NHL. Yeah, it, but that and again, that was a totally different time. The WHA, right? Like, yeah. I, you had a lot of leagues trying to to merge with the the big boys, yeah. WFL and ABA. And it and right. it's interesting that in football specifically, it seems like there's still groups that are well, you know, if, if the and XFL they keep can, failing all these spring exactly. football leagues, and they just keep putting them up, and that's I'm shocked. A lot if of we hang on long enough, the, we can merge with the big guys, but you know, and that's why a lot well, of people in the women's hockey world different. and women's sports worlds are like, why can we not do this for women's sports when you see putting up the money continually for men's sports and showing that they fail, why do you keep trying again with them and not trying, period, with us to put up that money and really invest? So, does this announcement happen without the ESPN deal? I think it happens possibly at a different time. I still think it happens on the same scale. But the TV deal is very much uh, the factor behind the team expansion, I think, and the increased regular schedule. You have it on a streaming service that can be seen regularly. Every weekend there's competition for people in the U.S., people even outside the U.S. So you're growing the game on all fronts. You want to grow. You get that U.S. audience. You get the Canadian audience. You get international people interested if they want to come over. You get international players interested if they want to come over. So I think without the TV deal, this still gets announced and this kind of investment still does need to happen but it may have been brought about at either a different time or in a different way. So does this league work in more of a, a centrally run fashion as opposed to correct the other leagues that we're used to? Yes, because the board of governors who they are right now are essentially the six league owners. And it's one family who actually owns, I believe, three of the six now. And so it's basically them, the commissioner, and maybe two outside business partners that basically make up the board of governors. And through their ownership, through their businesses, whatever they may have, they're able to kind of collectively put up this money and put forward the big investment for the league. And that's also a big factor, I think, of what brought about expansion and the greater willingness to invest is that all the teams are now independently owned, which was something we didn't see with the PHF until this changeover in name and branding and all that. So do you think the um, the change from the N, I believe it was the NWHL, NWHL. Yes. to the PHF, do you think that has been a positive change or is it you think it's just like just different letters it's not that big a deal i think in some ways how they've went around branding it is a little strange because they wanted to put that out there as sort of non-gendering the league of sort of these aren't just the best women's players or a league for women to play 
this is some of the most elite hockey you can watch, whether we've got female players, non-binary players, transgender, all those sorts of things. But yet they still use in a lot of their press releases the language of the greatest women's hockey you can see, which just makes it feel in some releases a little hollow. But I think it was the right step to take in terms of rebranding, making it sound more legitimate as an organization that wasn't just going to fold or die over or continue to have their financial or player problems across the league. They really wanted to set themselves up for the future and for a distinct path to last for years to come to get better brand recognition. I think it was a way to make them also appear not to be like the little sister of the NHL. Right. They wanted to get rid of that. So uh, new new uh, expansion team coming. Uh, Dan, you and I have been talking for years about where our team should go. Yes. Where do we, what do we think? What, if we had some uh, some Vegas money to, to oh Philadelphia, uh, where where would the new team go? Oh no, I want to put it in Philadelphia. I'm not saying what you want. Where do we? Oh think? no, where well, I, I don't I don't <laughs> I, I don't care about the rest. Of it. No, Connecticut. Um, uh, realistic. I well, first of all, we we have to say that one team's going to Montreal. I believe they said yes. Um, I do hope. Of course, I hope it would be the Philadelphia team. As I said, I need a distraction. But realistically, I really think uh, it'll be somewhere in, uh, a little higher up in the Northeast, closer to the other teams, or another team closer to Minnesota. I think. That's where I would put my money on the Midwest um, because you have a, a lot of those markets where you can attract a lot of college talent. And I think part of that Midwest equation also, whether it's Detroit, Chicago, maybe Wisconsin, maybe even Columbus is sort of break up that little monopoly that Minnesota has over just getting every single player from the elite college programs in Minnesota, some from Wisconsin, some from Michigan, just kind of break that up because there are a lot of great college hockey programs throughout the Midwest and outside the state of Minnesota. And in a way, Paul, you certainly know this as well as I do. Boston sort of has that monopoly in the Northeast as well, because they're right there in a major city that everyone wants to be in and work in because these players still have to have a nine to five career. And also it's a city where you, again, can attract some major college talent from some of the best programs, not only in that city, but in the country. Yeah, that's one thing that's different about the PHF is because the players aren't paid enough to make hockey their full-time career, they're all working day jobs. So, And I'm sorry, that's something I didn't even mention of the announcement, the team cap, which oh, will yes, be raised yes. from 300000 per team to now three-quarters of a million. So with Maybe that, we'll we some... would be inching very very close to the players finally having hockey as their only full-time nine-to-five job and this was something i also got from talking with some other people could we perhaps finally see multi-year contracts in the phf and legitimate contract negotiations yeah because one thing that happens now for those of you who aren't familiar is because the players all have their day jobs so basically the boston team for example is made up of players who all live around Boston and or who all Buffalo played their college hockey pretty right. much in or around Boston or New England. So the same for all, all the teams. Yeah. So yeah, this is a big, uh, big step to making, you know, copying the other professional models. That's, that's one thing that I always 
felt was missing when people um, tried to compare this with the WNBA and how come the WNBA has been such a success. And I, and I, I view it as the WNBA has a, a, a they've got a the big formula. They have a formula that hockey can't match. They play in the off season, right? So they're not competing for the most part against the guys, right? For for you know screen time or whatever, and they're playing in the off season from the European leagues. So they can all go play in Europe and make well some of those some of the WNBA players make like twice as much as they in That's in where Europe. they make their big money, yes, absolutely. And, and then they can come home or whatever and play in the offseason. So they're essentially they're working full time at basketball in sort of two almost two part-time job scenarios. But in hockey you can't do that. I, I can't see them selling summer hockey to anyone, let alone, you know, to yeah, make if it. If you can't even sell yeah. spring football, you're certainly not going to sell summer hockey. <laughs> and, and I think that's one factor that has really made the WNBA work is you're not competing. You're not competing. Well, the well, second factor would be that the major league also, the major league also has a hand in it. Bankroll them and for many, many years. And also a lot of the teams a lot of the teams are equally in the markets with the NBA teams. Granted, you have some PHF teams who are in NHL markets, but they don't exactly get the support from the NHL teams, apart from maybe the occasional shout-out or maybe the one-night-a-year little tie-in where Pride players will go to a Bruins game or one Bruin will show up for a puck drop, something like that. And but as an, as an let owner them use of their a- practice rings. As an owner of a major team, I mean, essentially, you don't want to compete with anyone, right? Like, you don't want to compete with them. The scale is totally different. But, you know, as as the owner of the Boston Bruins, do you want people going to the Boston Pride game? Or would you rather have them watching the Boston Bruins on television? Well, of course you'd right. rather have them watch it on television, right? You can try to promote them as much as you can on nights when they're maybe not competing. But, yes, I absolutely get what you're saying. I think it would. Uh, uh, I think it's stupid that the NHL doesn't do more. Uh, it would grow the game on both sides if the NHL showed a little more love to the Premier Hockey Federation. It would get a lot of people in the Premier Hockey Federation fans, including me, who are angry that the NHL is like, hey, goody. We can have you play in the afternoon on the outdoor game. Yeah. And that, Um, I think, is also part of the whole divide, if you want to keep using that word equation, is that uh, that look would also get them, like, a lot of angry responses from the national team players and the PWHPA, and they can't lose that kind of support, whether it's from USA Hockey, Hockey Canada, or whatever, regardless of which side they may want to say things to or acknowledge. It just it's not going to work for them because the other side is going to go about doing whatever and credit to the PHF for with whatever the NHL has said, whatever the PWHPA has said, they kind of take an attitude of, Hey, you know what? You'll do you. We'll just keep doing our thing on our own because guess what? We've continued to grow and survive 
doing things on our own. But also, I, I do feel um, to touch upon a little bit of what Dave said. These are owners of billions of dollars. And factually, as sad as it makes me, when we say competition, there's not that many people going to PHF games right now versus the NF, uh, the NFL, the NHL. A little cross promotion certainly wouldn't hurt their team, especially exactly. when you have PHF games mostly in the afternoon, and the yeah, NHL try could a double header. I, the NHL could could. I've always had a problem, especially with the advent of ESPN Plus with the fact that the NHL can't figure out how to stagger their time start times because I try to get as much hockey fans will oh, try to get as much before ESPN plus oh yeah way before way before but like even with it, the NBC deal but even now because um Sam you know uh, we're from the same area I moved to Virginia and I still get uh Flyers games blacked out yeah and and it's like with ESPN plus I know like tonight the Flyers game they're tied, by the way. Uh, the Flyers game is only on ESPN Plus, but this is like one of those wins that I'm going to take because usually I can't watch the games. And now ESPN Plus is like local can't see it. I'm like, but I can watch it. But it, it would, it would, I don't see a major loss in revenue, Dave. Forgive me. If the NHL just, I don't, I'm not saying, I'm not going to tell them what to do with, with their money. I'm and not that's also be like, part of the myth also, because a lot of people, when they kind of show the responses to women's sports or women's hockey, they say, look at the WNBA. They get the NBA investment and they still lose money. The NHL, it would do the same thing. It's like, no, because you've no. never even tried it. No, exactly. So how would you even know? But but like what, what Sam was saying, a little bit of acknowledgement or a little bit of a, a double feature. And I'm not even saying they yeah, have to play in the arena. It. We tried. I, I went to one in Buffalo ago. one time. Yeah, they had one in Buffalo, and two seasons ago uh, with Boston and Connecticut in the PHF, we had double header in uh, Bridgeport. And credit to uh, our team, I was actually with Bridgeport, working with them in their communications department at the time. And obviously, with my ties to the Boston Pride, I pushed the hell out of them to be like, promote this, really hit this. You will get a crowd. And guess what? PHF game, which started hours before what was a great AHL matchup, Bridgeport and the Hershey Bears, you had nearly the whole lower bowl filled. And they all left. For a game the, in the uh, middle South of the Tigers afternoon. Team, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah Dave, pretty much what? because Boston beat on Connecticut pretty bad. but Yeah, the game I went to in Buffalo was the same way. They had reserved in the afternoon before a Sabres-Bruins game. Uh, the Whitecaps were in town to play Buffalo. They had like three or four sections on one side reserved for the Buttes game. They ended up filling half of the lower bowl in Buffalo. With It just overflowed. It was incredible. P.S. Dave uh, Badash in the chat said, don't forgive me. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I will say this. I mean, and, and I'm just I'm just kind of playing playing the other side for argument's sake here. So we're looking at organizations who have who have now found a way to make charity profitable right so you have the like the the 50 50 
Yes. What, what what does what does the team get out of the fifty fifth? Well, they get they get that exposure. They get to decide where all that money goes, right? It's the fifty the days of the fifty fifty where it's like you know whoever Fredericton minor hockey is getting is getting the money. Like those days are gone. They're going. Oh yeah, now to, it's like the Boston Bruins Foundation. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So any kind of money losing you know prospect in business like what are you getting out of it so for the boston for the boston bruins let's say just for argument's sake my question is what do they get out of promoting the boston pride that a businessman can look at not fluffy well we're gonna grow the game and like you know and that and i'm and I, I totally understand what you're saying, and um, would would the Boston Pride benefit from promotion from the Boston Bruins? Absolutely. The question becomes, what do the Boston Bruins get out of it? I think what they could get out of it is revenue, perhaps, from partners who have latched on to maybe only the Pride and haven't thought about any other hockey or professional sports sponsorships um, beyond them. And you could attract them then to possibly being with the Bruins, possibly stepping up their game, getting better return on their dollar. And then that's also money for the Boston Bruins. So you get cross promotion in terms of partnerships. You get to expose them a little more on, say, your TV networks. Like a lot of these teams have Nesson specific or NBC Sports Philadelphia, those little local market areas. And then from a business standpoint, again, with the Bruins, you get in those viewing dollars. And so I think it's just those little those little steps. It's definitely not going to happen overnight right away as a massive revenue stream if an NHL team were to get involved. And then also, I don't think you know how overbearing perhaps an NHL team would want to be in terms of how much can we do for you because we feel like if we want to get a really good return in our dollar. We're going to have to really get our hands dirty in here and do a lot that maybe you may not be comfortable with. Mm-hmm. I think when uh, I, I go to this example a fair bit and it's a little bit different and I don't know what the, what the, ha- what is happening in Toronto with the Toronto, the Toronto six, but in the, terms of their in, revenue in generation or how, how, their connection with anything. I, I, I honestly, I don't know much about them at all, but I do know that the, when the Maple Leafs put the Toronto Marlies as their affiliate, when they basically brought AHL hockey to Toronto, um, a market that really is, was only a Maple Leafs market and not a hockey market. Okay. They used that as their, uh, as their community involvement arm. So they would, you know, you have minor league hockey night. Well, you're not doing it at the, at, at the Scotiabank arena where, you know, now you're giving away tickets that are a hundred plus dollars each. You can send them down to the Coca-Cola Coliseum and they can have a grand old time where you're only giving away tickets that have a value of 25 or $30. Yeah. You speak of cross arena. I think that's a great thing. Another team in the PHF could do 
the Metropolitan Riveters, they play at their attached Barnabas Center right there, literally in the same building as the Prudential Center. If they want to try to kind of submit that appeal, if they want to, to the New Jersey Devils and have that exact sort of thing happen. You don't want to put in these ticket prices or whatever. Guess what you can go see literally right in the same building for affordable, great hockey. But they're not there anymore, are they? No, they didn't begin this season at Barnabas. They're now playing there. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Back to their old home. And they still don't have their banner from the New Jersey Devils, it seems. (laughs) They're still keeping that hidden away somewhere. All right. So, so as much as I would, I, I'm so glad that we finally hit on the, the PHF. Uh, we, like I said, we've been doing this show for five years. Ha- haven't really touched on it except for my my travels around the league. Dave, your hat um, triggered a memory of me. It's something that you wanted to talk about pertaining to our guest today. Yeah, before absolutely. We, before we segue into Phil in the Philadelphia venues, thank you. Uh, so when I did my my Sam Fryman research. I stumbled across an article when uh, you were the play-by-play for the women's hockey team at Penn. Yes. And, and this article was fascinating because your analyst, uh, Matt Wallace, was blind. Mm-hmm. How does uh, that work? Explain that. Explain that to us. This, the story is really, fascinating. It really was a great story. I came to Penn and to the Penn program after I had lost a job in the SPHL. And if you don't know the SPHL, it's still one of those minor leagues where we know them, where <laughs> they know, you know them. teams, teams and organizations can still not, Sam has not listened have, to the podcast before. <laughs> no, we, but they we can get sometimes yeah. not have the best, finances or upper management and that was simply a year where it was not really a fault of my own but they what team was that it was Fayetteville uh, before they were the marksmen back when they were the fire ants yeah Yeah, a buddy of mine was the GM for the Evansville team and we wrote some reviews of uh, the arenas we ranked them and got vicious emails and comments on Facebook I was just shocked. Just emails for a review of the crown. You know what? I remember somebody. I didn't review the crown, but somebody commented, "Oh, I just looked at this page uh, two weeks ago. Now all of a sudden they added new pictures. I bet this guy didn't even go to the venue." And I'm thinking, what? That doesn't make any sense, you know. And then they they criticized me for taking a picture of an Evansville Aces game uh, in front and not taking a picture of an actual. Thunderbolts game. They they assumed that I just went down there, took a picture, and left. I live three hours from Evansville. I'm not going to drive down to Evansville, take a picture of an arena, and drive right back. I right. I was just shocked. Usually, you put these, you put them up, you get some feedback that you know it's pros and cons, mostly pros. SPHL, my goodness, they were. Yeah, and unfortunately, I never got to visit the other SPHL venues because we were at a point financially where I didn't travel. I just did the home games. Um, but getting back to the point, uh, yeah. the entire staff pretty much was let go. Everybody in the front office down to marketing, communications, ticketing, they just needed to, they just felt like they needed to get new ownership, completely clean house. So I was one of the people uh, yeah. who was let go in that. So 
I come back to Philadelphia, just kind of really trying to reassess my career, thinking, what do I try to do? How do I get reps? Do I still want to be involved in this industry? Um, I look for college programs and I figure Penn is the first one to email and I find contact information for the women's team before the men's team. So I figured uh, they probably don't play, you know, in a competitive league of any sorts. They're definitely not D1, but what the heck? Sent them an email and their president president responded to me about two days later, just with this incredibly excited tone, like, oh my gosh, we've never had this before. You actually want to broadcast for us? Yes, by all <laughs> means, come on down. See That's great news to hear. Get set up at games. And I did the few, first few games solo. And then I figured, you know, I wanted to have someone else in the booth. I wanted to have someone else to kind of talk a little more about the game so that it's not just me kind of screaming into a laptop and a handheld camera for two hours because that was the only thing I was broadcasting on. I had a mix LR feed basically through my laptop and then I would have a handheld camera where I would follow the action. I, I looked like a dad in the stands basically. <laughs> and so for the next few games, I knew that Matt was a good friend of mine who I had gotten in touch with, who I had known for my years at Temple going to college. We were both big hockey guys. And I figured, you know, Matt has an amazing hockey mind. So I just said to him, hey, I'm doing this now. Do you want to come in and do color? And he jumped at the opportunity. And, you know, the team was immediately very receptive to him. And they were amazed as well. And even they were saying eventually from the players to the coaching staff of like he and I being there and really taking this professional approach to the broadcasting, it made them want to practice harder. It made them want to do better. It made them want to really put forth an effort because this was just club hockey, basically. You have some girls who can skate around everybody and some who just need to try to stay balanced for the shift that they're out there. It's a big uh, difference in some competition, but uh, with Matt being uh, blind and doing what he does, it caught the attention of some news outlets. We got some articles out there and then eventually got actually a story in the athletic back when they were doing uh, video content, which they sadly don't do anymore and um, led to some great opportunities for us, meeting some great people and really getting a pen also on a great spotlight. And it's actually what led me um, to my job in the Premier Hockey Federation because our coach at Penn was a former BU player. And my second year there, this would have been um, around the winter of 2018, she says, I know of a women's professional team in Boston who may be in the market for a broadcaster. And I honestly didn't know much about the PHF or what was the NWHL at the time. I knew women played on the national teams and competed at a high level in college, but I didn't think there was that league out there who existed. So I sent an email to they, their president being like, this is who I know. She told me to contact you. And they gave me that opportunity and I was fortunate enough in my first couple seasons to still be able to go back and do some pen games while I was working uh doing home games in the PHF but now it's just taken on uh such a life of its own and I am where I am today and I owe so much of it to that pen team just taking a chance on me and kind of really lighting that fire again and to one of my best friends for coming on the journey with me and kind of 
being the right-hand man every step of the way, too. And hopefully uh, in the near future, I can get him on some PHF games as well or to kind of uh, bring him back up again. I think it would be uh, cool to see. So would, would he do his analysis based solely on your play-by-play? Pretty much, yeah. And uh, we would get together and kind of talk about the players um, between games. And if it had been a game or a practice he hadn't, attended i would say this is who we're thinking about for the line combinations or if there was a new player or someone he wasn't as familiar with uh, in the season i said you know this is basically how she plays she's more of a defensive minded defender or they like to put this pair together or this player is really good at this so if you're going to talk about her this is something you should hit on and i try to obviously be as descriptive as possible a because i mostly come from radio style and b because he can't see the action so i think that's almost developed who i am as a commentator of thinking hey it's not just that matt in my sense my whole audience is blind if they can't see what's going on so i try to be ultra descriptive i try to talk as much as possible and matt just having uh, not only studied the pen program with me but having having listened to hockey on the radio and all these sports on the radio for as young as he can remember he just has this amazing natural understanding in the game and can always relay it regardless of what situation may be happening so did he ever give you like an elbow in the in the ribs or whatever and be like what the hell are you talking about (laughs) (laughs) no he never had uh one of those (laughs) moments usually it's me who has to give him the elbows back of if he may be going on a bit with his analysis. I see a play going on and I'd be like, I know you can't see there's a three on two rush the other way, but I'm going to have to shut you up here just a little bit. That's awesome. That's just an awesome story. Yeah. We'll have, to, we'll have to make sure we link that to, uh, to the page, the, the page of this podcast. What, what's Matt doing now? So Matt now, um, you know, he works a regular nine to five, like um, I also do when I'm not working uh, with the pride or in the women's hockey world. He works um, with a company ironically called Vision Core that actually um, employs a lot of blind individuals. And what he does is sort of um, kind of looking over and reviewing different government contracts. It's a government job. And I'm not sure what kind of language he looks over, what kind of contracts there are, but he has programs all over his computer where basically everything is read to him. He can access clicks or different menus with a speech function. And that's what he does regularly. He's happy to be uh, working remote for now. And uh, he's definitely looking to still get into more broadcasting. He was, uh, he's been given a lot of opportunities with me and I've tried to help him every step of the way. Um, He got a, great lead job broadcasting uh the beep baseball which if you don't know that sport it's baseball for the blind uh their world series this past summer in wichita kansas and he's become uh very involved with them on the national level and hopefully he gets to do uh more beep baseball and he says he wants me to come with him for a couple more beep baseball games come the spring and summer once uh, the philadelphia and new jersey teams get started And I certainly would love to have him uh, get some more hockey opportunities as well. I've heard of beat baseball. It sounds sounds really interesting. Yeah, beat baseball, it's very fun to watch because I was listening to him when he was doing the World Series. Um, Obviously, wasn't too 
fancy of a camera broadcast setup. They just had kind of the national feed through Facebook. But the differences between um, beat baseball and regular baseball, um, obviously all the players are blind with the exception of the pitcher. And the pitcher in beat baseball is actually working for your team. So he's trying to get you to hit the ball. And the ball beeps. So you can get a sense of when it's coming towards you. And the fielders can also do so. Um, the other differences are in beat baseball, it's four strikes you're out, not three. Uh, you don't get any balls with pitches, but you get to have one checked swing. And then when you do get a hit, how it works is once you hit the ball, you do have to hit it a certain distance. So it can't just like be an immediate grounder or foul or whatever. Once you get that hit, you have to run to a base, which is essentially a pylon out in the middle of the outfield that's also beeping. And if the hitter reaches that pylon before a fielder, can kind of get the ball and deactivate the beep, that's a run. But if the outfielder gets the ball deactivated first, that's an out. And just like regular baseball, it's three outs per inning, except I believe it's six inning games instead of nine. And you don't have a designated hitter, but you can have a designated fielder, who is someone who may be really good with speed or fielding, uh, that will just will not be in your batting lineup, but will play the outfield for you when your team is playing the outfield. So it's a very it's a very interesting sport to see guys yeah. who are speed guys or power guys or how they approach their batting stances when they can't see or how the pitchers will adjust uh, throwing underhand if the player is like swinging too high or swinging too low. Uh, so it's a lot of unique strategy and. There's a there's a dynasty currently in beat baseball. I forget the actual team name, but it's from uh, the guys from Indianapolis. This past summer, they won their sixth consecutive beat baseball World Series. Wow! I live in Indianapolis. That, I never heard of them, so I have to look that up. <laughs> now, yes, do they, do they play? Are they? Champs. I mean, they're based out of Indianapolis, but do they house games here in Indy? Um, or do the teams I would assume play? They have. I would assume huh. they have fields somewhere because I know okay. um, the local Philly team, the Philly Fire, they play games on different fields like around Philly or around New Jersey. And I think they, um, okay. one of the New Jersey teams folded. So the Philly Fire have kind of like absorbed some of their yeah. players. The, and I want to say Indy has like remembering from uh, Indy Thunder. Yeah, the Indy Thunder. That was a really good team. And I want to say Indy has like three different teams. Oh. That were in the beat baseball world series last year that the Midwest is apparently this massive okay. market for it. I see. They actually play, they play, uh, they play all over the city. Uh, they had a game at the high school I teach at. So, Oh, wow. I know where to find them. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, a dominant team to root for now. All right. Sounds good. I, I need a winner. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time. Okay. Yeah. So I, I guess for our last segment, we're gonna we're gonna switch over and talk about since we're the Stadium Journey podcast, we're gonna talk about some stuff that's uh, some of the places in Philly to catch some games. Oh, absolutely. Um, basically, uh, I love. I will start with this. A lot of people may disagree with me, but I do love the setup that Philly has of having all the stadiums collectively in one area. That doesn't make it feel like too close or invasive in the middle of the city it still remains easy to get to by major highways 
and public transportation. And they're all solid stadiums. Baseball, Citizens Bank Park, very like evenly built dimensions, great views from all the way around. Lincoln Financial Field. Amazingly, I have still never been to an Eagles game mm. at Lincoln Financial Field, but I have been to a soccer matchup there when it first opened. It was Man U versus Barcelona with 70,000 screaming soccer fans. And as a little kid, I made the grave, grave mistake of, since it was red, wearing a Arsenal jersey to a Manchester United game and <laughs> just got wildly ridiculed thankfully i had my dad there to save me before i actually got hunched um but i was also at temple university in their drumline and their marching band so i got to go to many games at the link be actually on the field uh so the running joke is whenever the eagles bring in new players or rookies that i've been on lincoln financial field more times than they have taken more snaps if you will <laughs> now is it is it as fun to be in the band as it looks? Because whenever I see a college game, I look at the band and I'm like, those and guys look like they're having line, a fun nonstop. It's, that's what I love about college football compared to the NFL as well. That's Just fun. the atmosphere of the college fan, the band element of it, and just those classic either regional rivalries or regional games. I still contend my very first game I was at at Temple and in the marching band is the best college football game I've ever seen in person. It was Temple Villanova, so battle for the Mayor's Cup, as it was called at the time, completely filled at the lower bowl, so probably like 30-something thousand fans. It's a back-and-forth affair all game long. Villanova gets a field goal to put them ahead by one with like a minute 10 left. We drive back down the field. We get a game-winning field goal from, you will recognize this name, Brandon McManus, a 43-yarder to seal the game for the Temple Owls. And that was my very first college football game. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I agree uh, with you. I like, I like the whole Philly setup. Paul doesn't like it. But what is what bad. is what is your view on it for uh, about it. kind of being where it is in South Philly? Oh, you're asking me? Hey, um, yeah, yeah, we're asking you. All right, I'm... what's your problem? <laughs> I like it. Gets easy to get like to. It. I, yeah, I mean, there, there are pluses. I don't. Know, I just think it, it. There's no neighbor. I'm a big guy. Like plop plop something down to downtown. Make all kinds of attractions around it, so you can make a day of it. You can't do that in Philly. I mean, the only it's, thing really around it is, well, you have two things around it. Well, now. chicken and you pizza. Have a, right. <laughs> yeah, you have chicken and pizza that's not far. You have Xfinity Live, which is this massive sports bar in between, like which all is this three thing in between of the stadiums. And then you have uh, they turned what was an old Holiday Inn hotel. It's now like a full hotel and sports book casino. So you oh, have that element okay. of it too. Um, and if you, yeah, Paul, <laughs> they have a couple of casinos there now, except, uh, uh, why did I just forget the name of it? Rivers is kind of up the road from the stadium is a bit farther away. Now, when they were going to build one of the facilities, weren't they talking seriously about moving it downtown? 
moving it. They were City. talking about. I can't remember I which one. It, I believe it was when they were talking about Citizens Bank Park. They were thinking of building yeah. it in sort of the Chinatown neighborhood, and that was really? met yeah, with. Really? And that was met with a lot of resistance. And I still don't really think that would have worked mm-hmm. logistically, knowing that area of Philadelphia. Of down. Yeah, you would have yeah. had to knock a lot of stuff down. Um, there would have been, perhaps they would have changed it, but there only would have been one subway stop that would have been able to get you there. It's not super accessible from the highways because you would have needed to navigate kind of doing the right, left, right, left through about five blocks Yeah, the highways and off the bridges. And while it would give you sort of that old, like, um, like Ebbets field Wrigley thing of like, you can pour right out into the bars and the community. Uh, after the game, it just wouldn't work. No, they made the right choice. Yeah, yeah. And Temple was actually planning for several years of doing the same thing of building an on-campus football stadium as opposed to playing their games at the link, and that was also met with a ton of community resistance, even to the point where the newly elected at the time Philadelphia mayor didn't think it was a good idea, basically taking the stance of, you know, you're a university in North Philly that to be quite frank, has gentrified and built around the neighborhood enough, you don't need to do it more. So average sports fan knows, you know, Eagles, Sixers, Flyers, right? Phillies. Right. So what, what would, if you could say one thing uh, that a sports fan should go and see in Philly that isn't, you know, maybe as I widely known, Illustra. I know Mark's answer. What what would it be? One hundred percent a college basketball game at the Palestra. That place is just an absolute mecca of basketball yes. history. And regardless of how Penn or any of the other Ivy League t- teams are doing, or even uh, any of the Philadelphia Big Five teams, those are some of I think the best rivalries in the nation. Even though it's very centralized. Uh, within the city of Philadelphia, and they always do a great job throughout the college basketball season of putting uh, the marquee matchups, not just in other venues like Hagen Arena at St. Joe's or the Leacor Center at Temple. They kind of all collectively get them at the Palestra because that's where the fans want to go. That's where the history is. That's kind of where uh, Philadelphia basketball really has its heartbeat. And another uh, sporting event I would highly recommend people seeing uh, right next door at Franklin Field uh, is the Penn Relays. Uh, great event for high school track and field. That I was fortunate enough to participate in uh, a couple of years being a high school runner. Always a fun time. Uh, I got to see Usain Bolt run there with the Jamaican national team in 2009. And when I tell you the crowd that showed up for Sunday when it was announced that he was going to be in the 4 by 100 meter race, I could have sworn to you the entire population of the country in jamaica was packed into franklin field at that day (laughs) and i still don't think when he crossed the finish line to win the four by one for jamaica i still don't think i have heard a louder crowd for any sporting event i've been to um so that that would definitely be my two to check out college basketball at the palestra and track and field at franklin field yeah, I could definitely assess to uh, the Palestra. And I was told that the Catholic high school championship games are worth checking out there, too, because they also get a huge crowd. Mm-hmm. 
And the yeah, Catholic yeah. League always has some uh, very good teams. Yes. Um, Roman yeah. Catholic can usually field a competitive team. Uh, I know when I was in high school, Newman Goretti was one of the best programs, not only in the city, but they were going into national prominence along with my high school. And um, then if you switch to football, one of the major Catholic League schools, St. Joe's Prep in West Philadelphia is consistently um, one of the best in the state of Pennsylvania, along with some of the other Catholic schools. Yeah, but I mean, in the palestra, when you walk around the hallways, the history, yeah. everybody who has been part of basketball history has played there, has made an appearance, coaches, women's players. I mean, it's truly a remarkable place just to walk around. If you, if, if you happen to be there and there's, there's not a game going on, if you can get inside just to walk around. Yeah, look it's like at watching it. a game from the 1950s with yes. the way the uh, grands, with the way the bleachers are still structured. You have that classic kind of half oval dome yep. that just sort of lets the light in and almost gives the basketball like an aura even when you're watching it. And no, you al- you always see competitive games, whether it's Big Five or even Penn basketball. You always just see fun, competitive games of basketball that'll make you kind of really love the game, really love the atmosphere you're in. And it's rare that I think an arena in any sport does that. I definitely agree. I definitely agree. Has anybody else been to the palestra besides? I have yeah, not. I, I've, Paul, yeah. I've been 2013. I saw yeah. the last game of the season, yeah. Penn and Princeton. Yeah, and that's like the big rivalry. Those two, they hate each other. <laughs> oh yeah. Should it Penn be and the Princeton, uh, Penn and St. Joe's, Penn and Temple? Yeah. All the other, Should... uh, the big all five sor- Philly schools. All sorts. Even of though rivals. I will say, Villanova is not and has not ever been in Philadelphia. <laughs> Villanova is Villanova, Pennsylvania. They are not a Philly school. Okay. <laughs> they are outside of the city. <sighs> and as a Temple grad, I will take that to my grave. So, do, so does that mean you think that they should be out of the Big Five and be replaced by Drexel? Or no, I don't. Or? I don't believe they should be out of the Big Five because I will give them credit where it is due. They are a phenomenal basketball program who, under Jay Wright, have gone to heights. I don't think even the people who remember the 1986 national championship would think they would achieve. But to keep saying you are a Philly school and you are a part of the pantheon of Philadelphia championships. That's just not accurate based on straight up geography. Should, should it be the big six now? Well, they call it, they call it the big five still. And if Drexel doesn't want to feel left out, they'll say the city six. Okay. But the, the, the big five is still what you refer to. We don't They're need woke. little, we don't need little brother Drexel to actually be in there. They're not a part of that history. So why is Drexel left out? What did they do? I don't know. Infringed on uh, Penn's campus being right there with them in West Philadelphia, I guess. Damn, you sound like a Bostonian when you talk about Villanova not being in the city because Boston says the same thing about Boston College. They aren't. They aren't in Boston. <laughs> I have no, I have no comment. Don't even look at me. Yeah, and St. Uh, Joe's that your quietness, Dan. Na- no, I was there on the border. I was being quiet on purpose. <laughs> oh, I guess you so, disagree, Dan. Just mm, say it. 
no. Just no, say no. it. Don't sit there quiet, no, all nicey no. nicey with the No, no. See, I do disagree, but factually, I'm incorrect. So I'm not saying a word. It literally <laughs> isn't in fact, Philly. Factually, but I, Villanova is, University <laughs> is in Villanova. Right. Yeah, yeah. The so faction, they are not in Philadelphia County. I don't have an argument in this. It's like Radnor and. Lower Mary, it's it's like it's it's none of it's in Philadelphia. Let's East just Rutherford, say that it's not New York. Yeah, yeah. Well, East Rutherford, <laughs> never mind. But no, no, no. I, I, no, I have nothing. Listen, I, I, I can't argue. I can't even debate it because I am absolutely scientifically, mathematically, yeah. factually incorrect. So that's why I was like the- silent. The Central Jersey debate, if we're not careful here. Yeah, no, we're we're straddling that line, and that doesn't exist. So I can't even I can't say it. And I will I say so. I don't I, think I, we will have that debate. No, no, no. I will say this though, Jay Wright. Um, there is a uh, every year the President Steve Show does a camp out for hunger. Yes, and every year they have the City Six Papa Shot Challenge. <laughs> uh, notice we said C- City Six when we're talking yes. about. People. Because Jay Wright from Villanova, it's a basically, you know, that arcade game at the arcades, guys, where it has the basketball net that moves up and down. Yeah. Well, they, they, the part of what President Steve's show organized, and I believe Casey, it was Casey's idea, Casey Boy, the producer of the show, uh, came up with the Papa Shot where the coaches from the big six in Philadelphia would compete in a to- mini tournament, see who got the most. And each shot made was like another pound of food or another hundred pounds of food donated to the camp out for hunger. They, it would change over the years. And I think at one point, Jay Wright had it three times in a row where he wow. got the most, I mean, it was two or three, but uh, for Jay Wright's always been cool. And it's been like an ambassador, little brother to Philadelphia with that connection to the Preston Steve show. So that was yeah, the I only, I didn't want to debate with Sam. Team. I, I just wanted to no. put the asterisk in there just to give it props. as a temple grad. I don't always, I don't always love seeing the Villanova basketball success, but I will absolutely give them credit where it's due. Jay Wright is a phenomenal coach and they've built a phenomenal program. I the, when and their arena, the pavilion is also a great place to see some college basketball. There was a little bit of scintilla of hope when, um, Oh my God! The guy before Doc Rivers. Why am I blanking on his name? Brett Brown. When Brett Brown Brett got Brown. when Brett Brown got fired, there was a little little part of me that was like, "No, I, I never thought he was going to leave." No, no, no. I never thought he was, but I was like, "Please, please offer him the job, please." And then, I, you I know. was like, they were going to have to offer him like a, a lot <laughs> treasure chest of like like the spy movies, like the multiple suitcases yeah. of cash to take that job. Oh, wait, you won't take it? Hold on. Here's another one and <laughs> another one, please. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, let's talk for a second, Sam, about the Sixers, if you guys don't mind, because uh, I brought it up a few times that these guys don't know the area enough to discuss how dumb of an idea this would have been, uh, or, or not dumb, depending on how Sam feels about it. But uh, in the midst okay. of one of the losses of the Sixers years before they went out and made the playoffs that uh, the, it was the year after the Toronto year, uh, Josh Harris so put out this, the, not the Atlanta collapse, right? No, no, no. The year before okay. that. No, we're not okay. talking about the Atlanta. We're staring, we're stay, we're staying One, away from that, two, Sam. Three, Shut up, Mark. 70s. Um, you don't get to sing the song. Go ahead. Um, 
<laughs> there was Josh Harris came out and there was a room, not a rumor. He said he wanted to build another arena and leave Wells Fargo Center. Because for those who are listening, the Sixers are actually owned by the same ownership group that owns the Devils. Yes, I know. Harris I can't, Yeah, I can't sleep at night either. It bothers me. But anyway, strange <sighs> uh, fellows. Yes, it is. He wants to build an arena or who wanted to propose an arena at Penn's Landing. Sam, without getting we fired about from this, yeah. Yeah, but barely because you yeah. guys are like, what, what does that mean? And I'm like, no, it's I didn't. Impossible. I, I, no, I know Penn's Landing. I had a two word answer to that. Hat where? No, I know where Penn's Landing is. It my my uh, answer was effing stupid. Oh yes, okay. Well, the other <laughs> two, I just wanted Sam's input on that whole thing. I didn't. I didn't think it was completely stupid, but I was just like, the the side of this won't work is like outweighing the side of this <laughs> could work to me. Man. And um, now I think they have a solid Penn's Landing proposal where it's going to be like this $2 billion investment of like new apartments, new business centers. They're going to have that like overpass park created that Hold will on. like go from the edge of Society Hill to like over 95 all the way oh, to wow. the waterfront, like this massive green oh, space so wow. that i think will be cool and i didn't even revitalize like they have a lot of these like outdoor bars and like beer gardens that are there now the area's been like very solid they have the they have a skating rink there that's ice skating yep. in the colder months and like roller skating in the regular months they have a hotel down there a couple other like major luxury apartment condos they have like old shipping piers that have been turned into apartment units. So it's a really cool area, Penn's Landing. And if you get on like the subway or if you get off the major highway 95, you can pretty easily get there. So I just See, figured I a stadium was like, it's not the worst idea, but it's just like, it doesn't need to be there. I just, I, I, I didn't it see was a that. better proposal than Chinatown, that, but yeah, I still it, didn't think it. it would work. It's a better proposal than Camden as well. Oh, anything's oh, yeah. a better proposal than Camden. Listen, I'm a, I'm a, I'm well, a. I jer- just went past the practice facility because I went to a concert in Camden on a Sunday, so I saw where the practice facility was. I'm like, huh, this is actually the first time in years I've driven past this, and I was like, what a shitty place for a practice facility. It doesn't. I uh, I'm still bitter about that city after they got rid of uh, oh, um, Campbell's Field. Uh, I'm still yeah. bitter about that. What a waste. I, I did not like that. What a absolute, and I know and it's the, technically outside of Philly, the blue, but the blue rocks in Wilmington just don't have the same effect. No, no, but it, it, I know it's not outside of Philly, but have you ever been to a game there? The, the, the old Cam- Campbell's River Field. Yeah, 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 no, Barbara. I never got no. to go oh, to a did, game there. I'm yeah. so sad and disappointed because I know it's technically, you know, South it's Jersey Philly and Philly. Market. It's the Philly market. So we all, you know, yeah, we if all you're go, from yeah, Cam, then you're rooting for the Philly teams. Listen, Mark, yeah. I'm talking to the guy that's actually from the area now. Well, I'm North just, I'm agree with you. Can you give me, can you give me a second? I agree. No, you know, I, I think kidding. it was a, it was a waste. I think if you had better ownership there, a better ownership Sam, group. I, I wish you had gone. I wish you had had a chance to go because yeah. it was, it was. Yeah. Like it was, it wasn't anything. It wasn't the major leagues or the mine. You know, you didn't. Well, invest. a similarly built stadium that I think has that effect. If 
you guys ever get the chance to go to it is Philly's soccer stadium, which again, not in Philadelphia, it's down in Chester, Chester, but kind of right by the bridge. You can kind of see the river yeah, a little bit of the overlook. It's a great, great stadium built soccer specifically. And I'm glad that the union are finally a championship caliber team after a couple of years of just kind of staying up and down there in the middle of NYCFC. we think they're good, but then they don't get it done. Sam, I have uh, another, um, not a personal question, but a more question pertaining yeah. to you now, sir. Maybe um, we need to get off. Uh, no, not like that. <laughs> okay. Jesus Christ, Mark. This is it's still prime time. It's a family show. It's a family show. Um, how Sometimes. did you come by your job at ESPN Plus? So that was actually um, interesting because I, this is, Full disclosure, this is spilling the tea a little bit here, uh-huh. as the younger kids might say. But myself and a lot of what you might consider like the older broadcasters of the league, of the, league the one who had been with teams before the ESPN Plus, before the Twitch deal with the bubble, they weren't necessarily asked to be part of this new broadcast crew. Um, a few were, um, but I kind of saw my opportunity of oh, I'm not going to be able to broadcast this, these this year. And I was kind of talking to some of the other broadcasters of kind of why didn't I get a contact call? Is it just because I didn't know the right people? Is it because they're doing this? And then I found out it was because they were doing all the games remote still from a studio in Florida. So they kind of went with their familiar crew of broadcasters who did like soccer or a couple other sports for them. And they brought in a couple people from the PHF who'd done the bubble season for them. But I kind of, at that point, went in to be like, I'm going to fight for my spot here. And kind of said, I've been with the league this long. I've been with Boston. I know my teams. I know my information. I'm good at this. So kind of like in a nice, respectful way, I deserve my seat at the table here. And um, they let me on for a few games. I still hope it can be more. Uh, by the time the season's over, but it's still, it's hard to find uh, spots when you're a little late to the party. And hopefully again, with the increased schedule and showing them uh, just my dedication to the work that they'll uh, keep me in that pantheon for the next year and years to come. And that's kind of how ESPN plus came to be. Sorry, Paul, I lied. I just thought of one more thing. I wanted to uh, talk to Sam about Um, uh what was it like on your side of the um, fence seeing how organic the growth was on Twitch? Because I don't, I don't think it got enough credit outside of the fandom of the league, but I thought I, it was massive. And yeah. I loved that it affected kind of our style of how we broadcasted as it did. We were getting to see fan reactions live. They were making little inside jokes or little idioms that we could use on the broadcast. It just made it a lot more fun that we could interact right then and there in person and the community was also like so welcoming of new members which i was so pleasantly surprised about of like people were popping in every game being like i just found this or stumbled across this on twitch i've never really seen women's hockey before and then would be like 30 messages of welcome welcome you should pick this as your favorite team these are who these players are and it was just amazing to see not only that growth but that energy from the fan base who had kind of been here and been more established so eager to kind of grow that fan base there and 
we ended up getting over a million views in just our first year of a three-year deal. And that allowed us to kind of really show the supporting numbers to other potential partners when we were having those talks of like, this is what we've done on Twitch. So we could easily go to this streaming service or we could even bump all the way up to cable if you give us the chance of these are the kind of numbers we're getting um, just kind of streaming on a network that's mostly made for esports and gaming. So I think that was very monumental and should get more credit. And um, I'm glad that we're still doing Twitch for uh, our Canadian and international viewers and that TSN has also been so receptive to pick up the um, ESPN Plus feeds and get them promoted. One of the games last weekend actually uh, for the first time got bumped up from streaming on the TSN side of things. I actually had it on TSN 4. So if you had one of the big cable packages, you could actually watch it. That's wonderful. No, I, 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 I'm so happy because I was watching on Twitch anyway, but the ESPN Plus thing, I'll, even if the Flyers are playing, because, well, you know how that's going, um, I'll put the uh, PHF up on the TV and I'll put an NHL game on a tablet or on the other laptop and just hockey out all weekend. And it's just yeah. now we got to make the step to get it on to big boy cable. And I, hopefully even before uh, the end of this season, we can do it with playoffs or a final. Maybe I was going to say, that. I'm hoping the next, I hope they do it. Uh, NBC did last year, but ESPN's like, well, we need broadcasting. They're doing well enough. Let's stick the well, whole I damn will, playoffs well, on there. Well, I will there. say, looking at um, looking at our uh, production crew broadcast schedule, playoffs are not confirmed yet for streaming. So, could Ooh. happen. Could happen. All right, Paul. That's all I get. <laughs> I just yeah, so stay tuned. Hey, maybe you'll be in Boston again, and I can do another finals. You know what? You've had I enough. So. You, oh, wait, wait. You've had enough, Paul. Listen. No, actually, never enough, never enough. And I hope if I can't broadcast, I'll also uh, be in Boston with you there for playoffs in the final. Yeah, you can hang on the penalty box like you did for opening night, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'll hang out in the penalty box for <laughs> playoffs, especially. I know they're going to be filled. I'm going to get my work done. <laughs> all right. So that's that's all the time we have for tonight. Uh, Sam, the last thing we usually let our guests do is take the floor for a minute. And if you want to... Uh, uh, you know, pump up your social media presence or do a little spiel about yourself before we go where our listeners can find you and so forth. The floor is Yeah, yours. absolutely. You can find me um, most weekends, not all weekends, on uh, the PHF on ESPN Plus, or you can find uh, the PHF page on Twitch. That's twitch.tv, uh, not twitch.com. If you want to follow my socials, I am at sfryman20 on Twitter. That's fryman20. Um, and if you want to follow on Instagram, it is frymaster93. Sorry, that's different handles for the different social medias, but that's just how I do. Um, and in terms of anything else to plug, just uh, you know, continue watching and continue supporting uh, the Premier Hockey Federation, all women's sports across the country. They absolutely need it, especially uh, in these times when it may be hard for fans to get to games or find something new to watch. I promise you, you will be vastly entertained by this sport and by this league. It is not inferior different bad or any way it's easily some of the best hockey you can find and regardless of where you may be watching in the country or around the world i promise you there will be at least one player or one team you will fall in love with with if you give it a watch no doubt and sam thanks once again for joining us tonight we loved having you on absolutely i'll be back anytime you want me 
So that's all the time we have for tonight. Thanks for joining us, everyone, once again tonight. Dan, where can our listeners follow you online? Follow me at all social media platforms at DanLaw83. Hey, Mark, we are the Stadium Journey Podcast. Do you have any Stadium Journeys coming up in the next couple of weeks before we get together again? And yeah, actually, actually I do. I'm going to the KFC Yum Center this uh, Saturday, and then I'm going to Freedom Hall to check out the um, – the other college team, uh, Bellarmine, the Knights. Am I saying that right? Uh, Going to do a doubleheader. I have not done a doubleheader in quite some time. So, yes, I actually do have a couple events. I think Milwaukee might have been my last visit to any kind of stadium. So it's been a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, maybe not as long as Dave's uh, during the pandemic, but two months is a lot for us. You know what I mean? So, yeah, follow me on a. All platforms, social media platforms, Ballpark Hunter, YouTube, Instagram, Instagram, YouTube, Instagram, Instagram. Yeah. Instagram. New. It's a, a lot of pictures of legs. Yeah, Instagram, uh, Instagram, uh, YouTube. I have a, a review of the Pfizer Forum, which was, I think, my last venue I checked out. So, yeah, go go right. cards. And, and Dave, you're in lockdown too, Electric Boogaloo, right now up there. Uh, so yeah, was no- today was first day of school <laughs> in person again. So, yeah, um, we got another week or two of of no fans anyway. We'll we'll see. So, of course, what happens when there's no fans? You got to read a good book. And uh, Hockey Heads, oh, my gosh, is this a good one? Uh, off Mike, the autobiography of Mike Emmerich. You know, that guy is amazing. Guy. Anyway. Uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ProFan9. Uh, stadium journeys for me. There's no actual journeys, but a lot of time behind the mic for yours truly over the next couple of weeks. Um, if I'm looking at my calendar co- correctly, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Before we get together again, I've got 12 games. That'll be, be uh, doing the PA between uh, UMass Dartmouth men's basketball, women's basketball, hockey, um, and the Boston Pride. Um, lots, lots of work to be done. So uh, that's that's uh, my next couple of weeks, plus a colonoscopy, which will be live broadcast. <laughs> I had one of those. Is this your first or second? This is my second. I'm at that. I'm at that age. I'm a gentleman of a certain age. So now yes. they're routine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're starting so, uh, them early now, but you know, it's never it's never too early to it's get. It's not a bad thing, and now. it's not as bad as they all tell you it is. So, gentlemen, it's that dieting before the liquid. Yeah, yeah, that's the worst part. That stuff that just makes you empty. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, definitely uh, something to do. Catch catch all that stuff down there early, and uh, you'll thank yourself later for doing so. Yeah, uh, no. you can follow my stadium journeys and my colonoscopy escapades on. Uh, <laughs> Twitter, Instagram. I'm looking forward oh, to that. Lots of photos on Instagram. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm just kidding. Uh, Puckman RI. And uh, for, to check out our 2,500 stadium reviews, news items, feature stories on our website, the mothership, stadiumjourney.com. Connect with us on our social media channels at Stadium Journey. You can find audio versions of the Stadium Journey podcast by searching HIAC Talk Radio Network wherever you look for your favorite podcast. If you're looking for the video version of the podcast, we got those too. Go to Stadium Journey's YouTube page. And if you're looking for our classic back catalog, those can still be found. All those episodes can still be found at VOCNation.com. 
and live streams every other Tuesday night at 7 Eastern at DanLaw.tv. Speaking of live streams, our next one will happen on February 1st. That's two weeks from tonight when we will be joined by the in-arena voice of the Buffalo Buttes and the Canisius Golden Griffins hockey team, Ryan Burgess. So once again, thanks for... Thank, <laughs> thanks for... The show's over. Good thing the show's over, isn't it? Thanks, everyone, for your support. And thanks again to Sam Fryman for joining us tonight. For Dan, for Mark, and for Dave, this is Paul wishing you safe stadium journeys and close games. Hope to see you all again on the road real soon. Be safe.